Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Coming up later, it's a weekend of protest. Who's protesting about what and where? And St Albans Cycle Campaign are inviting you to a meeting. But first, creative industries represent the greatest opportunity to protect our planet. Now, I don't think... I don't think this will have occurred to many people. It certainly didn't to me. But that's the claim of Albert, the organisation which is spearheading carbon literacy at BAFTA. I spoke to Suzanne Dolan, a carbon literacy training at BAFTA, and a local mum to find out more. Suzanne, thank you for joining me. So perhaps if we start with some of the negative impacts that film and television can have on the environment. I mean, Presumably there must be sort of physical stuff, but uh, um, also perhaps in the way that it creates a normality, you know, that people to aspire to. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things involved with making television programmes. There's the footprint of the programme itself and the average one hour of uh, programme is equivalent to the energy consumed by three homes in one year. So it has a big responsibility, but also, as you mentioned, with the programming and content that it has on television, it really shapes how people perceive climate change and what they feel they can do about it. Okay. Um, Could you give us a couple of examples there? Something, um, you know, a way in which we we might be influenced, something, for instance, that we might see? Well, the positive cases are the programmes that we've seen, like the Hughes War on Waste and the uh, plastic programmes. Blue Planet 2, I think, was a real game changer changer in how we perceive um, the our impact on the environment but plastic is just kind of the gateway into understanding the wider um, ecological climate and crisis. Right okay then now um, you're a, a carbon literacy trainer at BAFTA but you know for most of us we just hear about the BAFTA awards but what actually is BAFTA? Well BAFTA is a uh, charity that is neutral between all the broadcasters and has a year-long program of training and events um, really uh, shaping um, progress throughout the industry. Right okay um, and um how so we've got carbon literacy project at BAFTA. How, I mean, how does this work? Who is it for? Who attends the the things that you run, for example? Well, the carbon literacy project is a training movement that started in Manchester. That's multi industry, and BAFTA have worked with the training literacy project to come up with a industry specific education program that's uh, a one-day course and it's for anybody in the film industry who wants to come along and learn about their impact and what they can do uh, to be part of the solution. Right okay Um, so um, are we talking here about like you said the the carbon footprint of um, the uh, television for example itself is it that kind of thing that you're covering or are you thinking more about the influencing side here? Both, and it depends on who your audience is. We can run specific courses for editorial departments that are working on content, or we can run them more for the production personnel, thinking about um, television industry by nature. It uses a lot of resources and for a very short time, and the only production might only last three months, so what do we do with those um, resources once we've finished with them? But the um, carbon literacy 
training, which is a course understanding the science of climate change and then thinking about how we can make positive change, um, is just part of what BAFTA does. There's a whole movement which is called ALBERT, and that um, consists of a carbon calculator. So productions are um, encouraged to measure their carbon footprint, and then they can go through the certification programme which is where they make commitments for how they can reduce their carbon footprint. And certain broadcasters make it mandatory for productions to go through this certification process. Um, and you'll notice on your favourite programmes, or hopefully on your favourite programmes, you'll see a footprint at the end of the credits, and those are ones that have been Albert certified. Right, OK. So um, so this isn't just sort of like a, a, a one-off thing. This isn't just like a we've done some training. This is a we're, you know, we, we've started the process to get better. It's a wider movement across the industry so the BBC created this first ever production um, calculator um, and gifted it to the industry through BAFTA because BAFTA are neutral um, and then the initiative is funded by all the major broadcasters BBC, Channel 4, ITV um, and some of the big um, independent TV production companies as well and they fund the administration of it. Right. So it sounds like you're having pretty good take up that this is actually, you know, gaining traction and, and, and really sort of spreading throughout the industry. It's really making a significant difference. Um, one of the contributing factors to why individuals see a difference in the programming that is broadcast on their televisions is because of the Albert Consortium and because of the education that's going out to newsreaders, to journalists, to um, drama producers, you know, across the entire board, um, we're educating the individuals who are making these programmes and it's really making a difference. Okay, so when we see things like uh, Hughes' war on waste, you know, I'm not saying necessarily that that would be as the result of some carbon literacy training that perhaps a, a producer or a writer had received, but but that's the kind of thing that you, you, know, you think can come out of this. Absolutely, and, and um, the BBC, for example, held a conference uh, just last week on what does net zero mean? You know, there's going to be a number of different uh, summits over the coming months with different reports on how that's going to affect uh, business. And um, the ambition is there from the broadcasters to really make sure they understand better the implications of this so we can be communicating it to our audiences. There's a um, report on BBC Breakfast about the big new energy deal, if I can't remember correctly, but that was a, um, a really comprehensive uh, piece about the impact it's you know net what net zero means on our energy right okay um so so there was the quote um creative industries represent the greatest opportunity to protect our planet do you think that that's overstated or do you think that the um albert and the carbon literacy training at bafta do you think this is you know actually starting to achieve that i think we've got a long way to go but i think the creative industries does have a huge uh, influence over how people perceive climate change and that's why it's so important that we are doing what we're doing. Suzanne Dolan, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Now, St Albans Cycle Campaign have been campaigning for a change to a cycle culture in St Albans for years. But they're hoping that advice from the speaker at their public meeting on the 30th of September will help make things actually happen. I spoke to Nick Clark of St Albans Cycle Campaign to find out more. Now he kindly joined me over the phone from his holiday so apologies that the quality could be a little better. 
Nick, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So perhaps if you could start by telling us a little bit about your speaker, Brian Deegan. Okay, well, Brian is a design engineer um, who specialises in street design. He's a lot of experience, um, particularly in London. Um, he was a co-author of the London Cycling Design Standards and worked on the, the Cycling and Healthy Streets programme in London. And now he's the infrastructure lead to the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. So working with Chris Boardman on all the fantastic things that are being developed in Manchester for cycling. Okay, so he sounds like he's got lots of fantastic experience to, to draw on there. Now, you've called the meeting How to Develop a Collaborative and Feasible Network Plan and Design, Deliver and Monitor It to Create a Lasting Cycling Culture Quickly. Now, it sounds like you're getting a bit desperate here. Uh, what, what do you hope is going to come out of this meeting? Um, well, th- there's been a lot of warm words about um, cycling culture, about healthy streets, um, about active travel, um, and the, the actual um, actions to try and develop this sort of thing has been a bit patchy. I'd say warm words rather than actions. Obviously, the question of resources with local authorities and with, with um, uh, actually implementing schemes in, in cities and streets. Um, but there needs to be more than just um, good ideas. It needs to be, we think, more of a groundswell of active, positive support for councils at all levels to implement this sort of network scheme. Um, and we're trying to engage the cyclists and the walkers and the good people of St Albans to come and get more of an active involvement with trying to work up practical network schemes for St Albans and Harpenden. Okay, I mean, um, now that the council has declared a climate emergency, have you seen any signs of big movements in the right direction? Well, as I say, there's lots of warm words, there's lots of um, good intentions. I have to say that these tend not to be accompanied by financial commitments um, on the ground. There's lots of long-term planning and strategy planning, fine, but actually um, there are com- quite simple things that can be done to improve conditions for people um, in residential streets, in travelling to school, um, in, in secure cycle parking. It's not necessarily that you need huge investment. It's joined up thinking so that the people can get from where they live to where they work to where they get to school and it may be lots of small improvements at junctions and at crossings, safe cycle paths, so that ho- the whole network of um, cycle paths joins up and gets people between the places where they are and where they want to get to. Yeah, I mean a lot of these changes, uh, as you say, need to be made by councils and, and you are in fact holding the meeting at St Albans Civic Centre. Are, are you having, will there be local or county councillors there? Well, we, we've um, let, I guess, about 40 or 50 uh, district councillors and county councillors know about the meeting. Um, we've had some nice messages back, um, some supportive messages from councillors saying, we like what, what this is all about, but I'm not able to come. But we have several councillors who have said they're planning to come. Okay. So, um, obviously, we're hoping to build on that and we'll be producing uh, as fully detailed a report of the outcomes of, of this meeting and this presentation by Brian Deegan as we can so that we can feed that through 
to the councils and the council officers to help them. I mean, we're, we're not trying to beat up the councils, we're trying to work with them to um, get this, these sort of schemes in place um, for all sorts of worthy reasons. Everybody talks about um, active travel and reducing pollution, and reducing congestion. Well, actually putting in place cycle schemes is a relatively simple way of tackling these bigger questions. Yeah, indeed. Now, um, as you said, this is all about encouraging more cycling and there are still people who see cyclists as the scourge of our streets. Do you have any positive messages of reconciliation for those people? Well, I mean, cyclists aren't a, a, a breed apart. Basically, cyclists are people on bikes. And, and people on bikes also walk. They sometimes drive cars. They go on buses. They go on trains. But it, it's, um, it may be an easy target to say, oh, well, cyclists jump road lights. Well, occasionally cyclists do, but then occasionally motorists do. Um, occasionally pedestrians uh, walk unwisely across roads, not at junctions. Yeah, but we're all we're all people. We're all living in this place. Let's try and make it as civilised a town, a city, a district as we can by getting along together rather than uh, slagging each other off um, for the the inappropriate behaviour of a handful of people. Yeah, indeed. Um, so your meeting, it is on Monday the 30th um, at 7.30. Um, everybody good. welcome. Anybody in particular who you think would like to come along? Um, well, obviously the, the members of the Northern Cycle Campaign are fully informed about this, so there will be a good showing from them, I'm sure. Um, I'd also say that we, the meeting will be preceded by a very brief annual general meeting of the cycle campaign. Um, and we hope it will last no more than 10 minutes. But obviously, uh, councillors, um, people involved in transport planning, in highways, um, people involved with the civic society, with local neighbourhood groups, people who care about the environment of St Albans, people who would like their children to be able to cycle to school, people who would like to commute by bikes to their workplace rather than feeling they have to go by car. It, it's going to be, we hope, a very stimulating um, meeting with lots of ideas about how we can improve the environment for everybody in St Albans. Brilliant. Not just about the cyclists, because if it's better for cyclists, that probably means that there will be fewer people driving. Yeah, it should be a win-win, shouldn't it? That's what we're hoping. Lovely. Well, I hope the meeting goes very well indeed. Thank you very much indeed for talking to me, Nick. Thank you, Ian. Okay, then. So, um, if you fancy a bit of protesting, there's lots going on this weekend. The UK Schools Climate Network, um, Extinction Rebellion, Friends of the Earth, and other groups invite you to join them um, striking for the climate on Friday morning, this Friday morning, the 20th, um, between uh, 9 and 11 pm at the Clock Tower. It's a, the, what they call the General Strike for Climate. There's going to be people striking all over the country. Um, it'll be students, um, uh, adults, um, people, you know, striking off work, retired people, everybody's welcome to come along and it's basically asking for the government to take decisive action on climate change. Okay, so that's on Friday morning, 9 to 11 at the Clock Tower. Um, then on Sunday... Um, that's the 22nd of September. The Vare Valley invite you to come um, and protest with them at 11.30 
by the old fighting cocks. They say it's time for action. It's time for action to save um, rivers like the Ver. Um, Sunday's, in fact, World Rivers Day. Uh, they invite to come and wear something blue. Um, and what they say is it seems that the government and its agencies feel that low flow and no flow in rivers like the Ver are acceptable levels of environmental damage in pursuit of public water supply. We need to change the balance and give the environment a higher priority. We can't just stand and say nothing. The water's already gone in so much of the river. There's precious, precious little left in St. Albans. So that's um, 11.30. Um, the time is now. It's time for action for the Ver on Sunday. Um, so uh, plenty to, uh, to to join into there. Um, just quickly, do follow me on Twitter at RV underscore environment. I'm going to be back at the same time next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution.